you're in Cafe Sophia, perhaps feeling a little bit sorry for yourselves, having had rather a rough night of it, but some of you got a bit of sleep, others perhaps less. Albin has said he will he, he will follow up the lead on Gregor, Gregorius. Max says that he he's still recovering from the last night. He doesn't really see the point of going to the recital because, according to everyone else, Anita is is a fraud. And I think if we wanted to look into this further, we'd be better off going to the bookstore. I agree with you. That's exactly what I was going to say, Max. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, what I don't understand is this man asks us to investigate, then when we find something, a little tasty tidbit, uh, he seems to want to jump all over it. So uh, I think we should go to the bookstore, Max. So the bookstore... I don't know if anybody else wants to go, but if Max wants to go, I'm definitely going. Yeah, I'll go to the bookstore. Yeah, the bookstore is the occult bookshop in Veha, Zion Kirchstrasse, very close to the Pergamon Museum, which is a um, famous museum of antiquities. Yeah, so I'll go there. Yeah, might as well. The piano recital isn't until later, right? The piano recital, yeah, no, it's not until tonight. I think Katorian doesn't want to go there. Yeah, Katorian is, uh, again, he, he has some other business. He has a lot of business, Katorian. Um, I think he's the only one who's gainfully employed, other than Anne-Marie. <laughs> yeah. Well, is Anne-Marie actually employed? I don't know. She's a, but she works night. I work nights. I work at the club. With the um... Oh, you do. You do. Okay. But do you get paid in money, or is it just drinks and food and, you know, that kind of thing? You know? Oh, my God. No, I get paid in money. Okay. Well, yeah, the, the men buy the drinks. I don't need to get paid in drinks. Of course. Of course. So you head to Zion Kirchstrasse. Where, where do we stay? Well, you've been staying in uh, Mitte. So we could walk there. Yeah. Well, Max is going to get us a car, though, of course. Max does not have access to a car, no. Max is going to walk. Well, there's, there's cars that can be hired, Max. Okay, so the simple storefront greets you when you arrive at um, the, the intersection of Zion Church Street and Klamath Street and Klamastrasse. The simple storefront doesn't really give you much of a clue about what might be inside. It, it really just has the sign Inveha Bookshop. And inside, it's quite a modest space, crammed with overfull bookshelves and tables. As you open the door, the bell tinkles above the front door, and a big waft of incense smoke greets you. The air is pungent inside with incest. Uh, incest? <laughs> with incense. Well then. <laughs> okay. Wow, that was a Freudian slip, if ever I've... Okay, so actually, I wasn't... Let me just do something with this map. Speaking of Freud, was he, um... Is he around at the moment, or...? Not only around, they met him in the first scenario. He was in the cafe with, with um, having tea with um, Marlena Dietrich. <laughs> that was Einstein, wasn't it? Oh, was it Einstein? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. So you arrive and you, you come in through through the front door, the, the bell tinkles and it is a typically crammed and cramped kind of space that you'd expect to see in a small small bookshop, especially one that sells esoterica and strange strange articles. There's um, a couple of rows of shelves, there's two, two large tables with piles of books overflowing, there's a counter and at the back there's a curtain and there's a man in the store. He's, he's not at all creepy. <laughs> Don't read too much into the picture. <laughs> so there is an elderly and slightly hunched man at the counter. He just glances up at you as, as you uh, come in. He's he's sitting on a stool with his nose buried in a book. It's you, you know those kind of shops where you go in and the proprietor just doesn't even acknowledge you unless you come over and want to buy something. So you have the, the run of this place if you if you want. Uh, of course, you could go and talk to him if you want as well, but he doesn't seem particularly friendly. As we come in, is I just want to see, is there a lock on the inside of the door as we come in? I mean, yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, it's probably got one of those latch locks that you just turn. Okay. Yeah. So there's lots of rather interesting looking books. And next to where the elderly man is, there is a, a rack uh, several wire racks, actually, on the front counter with pamphlets in. Some of which look a little bit similar, just from this distance, you know, in terms of design and size and shape to, to the pamphlets that you have. 
Well, I'd like to talk to the man. Okay. The counter guy. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna approach him. You know, with my with my with my sexy walk that I do. He looks up. <laughs> he looks up at you, utterly disinterested, and says, "Wouldn't dog Frau Lane?" And so I'm gonna kind of uh, put my hands on the counter and lean in and look at him. And I'm gonna say, in German, of course, "I'm a dancer, and I'm looking for a special kind of dance." And I raise my eyebrows. Something that will intrigue the audience, and something that's never been seen before. If you know what I mean. And then she'll kind of like turn and like lean on the counter. He looks at you. If he had glasses, he'd be pushing them back on the bridge of his nose. <laughs> Maybe he just does that gesture with his finger. He, he kind of <laughs> narrows his eyes and peers at you and he says, Dancing? What do you mean? Uh, this is a bookshop. So I'm going to put like put my hand on the, on the counter and I'll kind of turn. And I'm going to take like three or four steps back very daintily. I'll do like a little, like a little dance, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> little, a little um, twirl, maybe. A little, a little twirl, a little, a little dance, and I'll say, uh, they say that there is magic in the movement of a woman's body. And then I'll yeah, touch my lips. <laughs> he says, are you looking for a particular book, miss? <laughs> so while this is happening, I am perusing the stacks a little bit. and looking for anything, like anything of the format of those pamphlets, just sort of looking for that section. Well, that was up the front, right? Yeah, that's where that's where Anne Marie is. The, there's a rack with with pamphlets in, but that's right right where Anne Marie is doing her, her impromptu um, ballet recital. Uh, then I'm then I'm standing right there, like perusing. <laughs> okay. I, I would also like to look for yeah, through the shelves, but for anything uh, that I can see that mentions Astarte. Okay. Let's do that first because we'll 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 you can you you're kind of like wandering up and down the shelves maybe uh, a bit hidden from view, and the books you see range from Egyptian architecture and Peruvian sacrificial rites to psychoanalysis, hypnotism, and non-Euclidean physics. There are also books on yoga, very uh, very uh, uh, esoteric stuff like yoga. No one really knows what yoga is in 1926. The Kabbalah, electromagnetism, and astrology. Really fantastic uh, collection of books here. Very well chosen selection. You'd probably have to, you know, just seeing how many there are, you you reckon you'd need at least half an hour of perusing to find anything specific. So if you wish to do that, you can, but obviously the others will be doing their stuff first. Do you want to do that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't think they're going to stick around for half an hour, are they? Well, who knows? Who knows how, how awkward this conversation could get? Well, I, I'd like to keep looking whilst... I, I'm not going to participate in any conversation, so I'd like to just keep looking Okay. for that period, as long as it takes. I don't think I'd stick around or make them wait if, if they finished and wanted to leave. All right. So, you, you can do that for a while. We'll give you your library use role at some point. <laughs> Do you have library use, by the way? Uh, not very good. Not very good. Maybe you need to get some help from someone. <laughs> but meanwhile, Eckhart, do you want to be very... Are you trying to be subtle about this, or do you not care? When... No, I'm being perfectly out front. I'm just sort of ignoring ignoring the conversation between uh, the shopkeeper and Henry, and looking through the pamphlets, and... I sort of just pointedly ignore the shopkeeper until maybe like and like see if he talks to me. Okay, so um, I think he's a little bit distract distracted. I'm, giving, I, I'm, I'm, also, I'm like politely giving him, you know, not stick my word. Yeah, well, look, there are several wire racks, and and they are displaying various pamphlets published by the same organization that published the pamphlets that you've got. This organization is called the Fraternitas Saturni. Saturn's Brotherhood or something. I don't know any Latin, but I think that's what it means. And among various tracts on astrology, pendulum forecasts, and sacred coitus, <laughs> there are also copies of a large format magazine called Saturn Gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. Saturn Gnosis, printed on heavy paper with tipped-in color plates. That looks very, um, very interesting. Oh, well... Clearly, that one's the sexiest of the bunch, so I'm going to pick it up. You can't help but notice as you leaf through it that the editor and illustrator are a, a certain Mr. Albin Grau. I, I show it to Sabina, who's the only one, the only one there. I say, "Look, our friend is uh, published." Okay, so I take that pamphlet and uh, sorry, what was the title again? Um, Saturn Gnosis, the 
Gnostic knowledge of Saturn. The other pamphlets are small, like four or five page pamphlets on, on astrology, pendulum forecast, whatever the hell that means, and sacred coitus, uh, tantric sex. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Amory, you're sort of, I guess, probing this elderly man for any information. <laughs> he doesn't, he seems pretty, pretty tight lipped. He certainly isn't responding to your ideas about dance, but maybe you can make some kind of social role. Okay, well, I, I, I want to start, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get a little bit more uh, direct, if need be, and I'll say, um, well, I attended a show, and I'll kind of get in close, you know, so like I, like I don't want Eckhart to hear me, you know, kind of think because he's right there, and I'll kind of whisper. And I must say, the movements and the music uh, drove the crowd uh, wild, and I couldn't think uh, that it could be anything but some kind of uh, magic. Magic, you say? Do you mean a trick? More like a control of the mind. You know, I kind of flourish because I'm a dancer. Hmm. Maybe so. There are there are magical workings associated with movements of dance and the body. Maybe so. Maybe so. Yes, yes. That uh, woman, Anita Berber, her husband is interested in these things. Maybe so, maybe so. Oh. So I'll say, uh, what, do you know of anything in particular you could recommend to me? Uh, I can't claim to be as beautiful as Anita Berber. I'll kind of lean on you, because I'm very sexy. And I'll say, uh, but uh, perhaps with uh, some knowledge, uh, I could someday have such success. He's, he's kind of, he looks like he's sizing you up, contemplating whether to say anything. You can make a, a social role of some kind if you... All right, can I use charm? Because that's my... <laughs> of course. <laughs> that was my version of charming. I'm not sure what else to... Yeah, uh, all right, charm. <laughs> all right. It's been a while since you were a 22-year-old girl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like Marco. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> there we go, let's try that. There we go. Oh, hard success. He says... Have you ever considered uh, exploring the esoteric works, my dear? Uh, do you think that would help? Help? <laughs> Depends what you're looking for help for. What is it you seek, dear? I want to be a star. I'll be honest. You can be honest. Fame. Material possessions. Wealth. Yes? Yes, well, I want uh, people to fall uh, on their knees in front of me. <laughs> oh, this is possible, my dear. Magic can be used for crude material things as well as the higher, higher things in, of reality. Absolutely. I tell you what, I like the look of you. Why don't you perhaps come to one of our lectures sometime? And he leans forward and he holds his hand out. He leans forward and offers you his hand. Charmed, my dear. My name is is Herr Gregorius, Gregor Gregorius. I run a small study group here at this bookshop. We have a small lecture room at the back. We are the Fraternitas Saturni, the Saturn Brotherhood. Oh, how fascinating. And I'll put my hand out, you know, like a lady does, and introduce myself as Anne-Marie Kuhn. Well, we offer lectures on matters of secret knowledge, classes on deeper occult subjects, and general education in these topics, all right here. Would you be interested in joining, my dear? That sounds fascinating. How should I dress? Dress? No, no, it doesn't matter. Oh, we don't we don't stand on ceremony. No, 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 my dear. You come as you are. What we seek here is not the external, it is the internal. That is how you can manifest your destiny. By looking inside, my dear, inside. Anyway, take this take this card. This is our card of the of the um Fraternitas. We are not uh, exclusive to men. Women can take, participate as well. Do not worry. Excellent. No, we, we don't have anything this week, but next week we have a, a lecture, I believe, on um, uh, the uh, sadhus, the mystics of India, who perform incredible feats of physical endurance purely through mental control. I believe there is one who can circulate his semen for eight hours. Wow. Wait, what? <laughs> That is pretty impressive. We're all <laughs> pretending to know what that means. 
That is quite oh. impressive. <laughs> Perpetual eight-hour orgasm. Incredible. Anyway, <laughs> if you wish to browse, please go ahead. You, but uh, you do know but Berba? You, you seem to uh, look of recognition when I mentioned her. Yeah? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I've, uh, I followed her career uh, quite closely. She's uh, and, and even met her once. Ah, and you met uh, the husband, Hoffman? Yes. I think so. That was, that was one of them, right? <laughs> that's her cousin, yeah. Honoring, yeah. That's, that's yeah, he, he comes in here sometimes, buys a few, a few pamphlets. Uh, he's a amateur doubler, I think. Yeah. I invited him to come to the lecture, but he seems to have a very different lifestyle. Oh, anyway, uh, Make yourself uh, welcome in the, in the bookshop. And then he goes back to reading his book. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I thank him, and I, I just go and start looking at things. Uh, Max, I guess, even though I'm not very good with library skill either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should, should we just um, welcome Marco at this point? Hello. <laughs> Hi, Marco. <laughs> As Katrian, I'm like, I was held up by the uh, by the radio program, and it's not typical of me. Like how, how incredibly, uh, I can't believe I got sucked into the radio program. This is this. I, I love vices to sell to other people, but I hate when I get sucked into them myself. Maybe you were listening to that new American show, The Shadow. The Shadow, yes. The Shadow with a cyberpunk 2077-ish thing to it. So, Katorian, you've caught up with your friends. They, they were looking into the occult bookshop in Veja where they discovered some pamphlets that were printed there. And Anne-Marie Cool has been given a personal invitation to come to some lectures about occult matters from this group called the Fraternitas Saturni, the Saturn's Brotherhood, or Brotherhood of Saturn. Not Satan, Saturn. And turns out that uh, the man who runs the bookshop is Gregor Gregorius, who is the publisher of these mystic pamphlets, of these occult pamphlets. And he also knows Henry Chatan Hoffman, the husband of Berber. So, plus, one of the magazines there, also somehow to do with Saturn, was written and edited and illustrated by your friend Albin Grau. So all the pieces seem to be connected in some way. So, Katorian, you, you, you've entered and you see your friends perusing the bookshelves and Anne-Marie has been doing a little light flirting with this very elderly... Uh... There are two people that did the art. They don't seem to have looked at each other's drawings because <laughs> I guess he could be the same man, but he looks kind of different. Uh, that's Gregor Gregorius. Okay, Eckhart, were you helping your friend, Max? Sure, why not? Once, uh, once it became clear that the shopkeeper was being drawn into a longer conversation with... Uh... Anne-Marie, I, I went over to help him. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, why, why doesn't Max make the roll first? I'd love to see how well he does. <laughs> He's literally just looking for something that has in big, bold letters, a starter. <laughs> I so want you to fumble this. <laughs> wow! He passes it. Remember to tick any skill roll you make. Okay. Yeah, put a tick on your, on your character sheet, remember. Okay, so... Wow. <laughs> yeah, well... I mean, whilst looking, you find you find a bunch of stuff. First of all, you find, find some books on Gnosticism. They just might catch your eye, particularly one which is called the Gnostic Gospel of St. John and something else called the Berbello Gnostics, Gnostics. And are you, have you got any occult? I don't think so, I doubt it. Or anthropology? <laughs> one. Okay, well then, then maybe they somehow seem relevant. Maybe he shows it to me, and I can roll a cult. Can I do that? I showed him the other book, so... Okay. Well, let's do that in a minute, because you also do find several books within the shop containing general information on Astarte. Although, it, it's interesting, because it's clear that Astarte is just one name for this moon goddess. This moon goddess appears in many Near Eastern religions. She's also known as Ishtar and Lilith. They're all the same essentially, the same moon goddess. One of the books contains a reproduction of a photograph of a relief carved from the ruins of Babylon. The carving depicts a naked winged goddess figure with bird talons for feet, standing upon two lions, or maybe hyenas, flanked by owls. The caption below the picture identifies the goddess as Lilith. If you want to get any more, I mean, there's a lot in these books, so you would probably need to buy them if you want to get any more information from them. Uh, unless you want to spend four hours standing there reading them. In front of <laughs> Which I don't think he'd appreciate. I might keep them. I might hand them to Eckhart and say, 
I think we should take these. These look interesting. I don't want to buy them myself. I don't know how much money I have, but I, d I doubt it's a lot. I'm an out-of-work actor. <laughs> I don't so. think the books were too expensive back then, but, but yeah. So it's a book on Gnosticism? There's a book on Gnosticism, yeah, the Gnostic Gospel of St. John, and something called the Burbello Gnostic. So you can make an occult role if you want. Yeah, sure. I'm going to sort of quickly flip through them if I can get the gist. Do you want to spend six luck on that? Uh, sure, why not? Actually, I realized I didn't give you guys a luck refresh. Everyone can make a luck roll. Can I make it before I... Yeah, yeah. Or I'm better, I should make it. It'd be better to do it after. <laughs> okay. Sweet. All right, so anyone that got a green rolls a d10 plus five. Anyone that rolled a red rolls 2d10 plus 10. And that's how much they increase their luck by. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, Safina. Good God. That is a lot of luck you just got there. D10. Oh, nice. Plus five, so 15. Yeah. Okay, so that puts me up six. Oh, well, that's not so bad. Katorian's gonna, gonna be loaded, I think. Wait, if you got a green, you roll a D10 plus D10 five. D10 plus five. If you've got a red, it's a D two D10 plus 10. Right, so yeah, you spend the six luck, and there's definitely something here connected to Astarte in some way. But you recall something about a tripartite god, the wife of Yahweh, and something about the Babello Gnostics. There's some kind of heretical cult during the early years of Christianity. Katorian, I can't believe you just got 28 luck, fuck me. Um, so, what, you've got up to 93 luck? 93, yeah. Bad <laughs> math. There we go. You are a very lucky boy. Yeah. Again, Eckhart, there's a lot here. You would need to buy these books uh, if you want to then fully fully peruse them. But they do mention Astarte. They mention this tripartite god, the wife of Yahweh, and that seems to somehow... Because Astarte, Lilith, and Ishtar are three faces of the moon goddess, and it all somehow ties in because moon goddesses tend to be wives of the sun god. And, of course, it's we're talking about Judaism and Christianity as opposed to pagan religions but but there's definitely some connection there right yeah so okay. okay well you have definitely got a lot of interesting bits and pieces from the bookshop does anyone else want to do anything there does anyone else want to talk anymore to gregor gregorius or are you happy with your they don't want to go behind the curtain well yeah i'm gonna walk up to him and ask i mean the, the, i assume the books are not marked with prices right no. Not that in that kind of place. So I, I say, uh, uh, how much for these two? Oh, that is a beautiful book you have there. You are interested in uh, in the Middle Eastern religions of uh, ancient times, sir. Uh, yeah. Yes. Well, uh, I'm working on a novel. You see, it's uh, research. Perhaps you've heard of me. I'm Eckhart Schild. Maybe has. I don't know. But. Uh, I've uh, been fortunate enough to have some success uh, as as an author. Katorian, do you want to do anything in this bookshop? I mean, obviously everyone's been doing the research already. Yeah, and I'm not, okay. Well, none of this is really my bailiwick, but uh, I guess I can. There you guys are. All right. So let's quickly then cut back to Eckhart. You were you went up to Gregor Gregorius, and what do you, what do you say? Well, I ask him uh, how much for the books. He says, well, the, the ones with the color plates, that is a bit more expensive. Um, so that'll be uh, four Deutschmarks, which is like 90 cents or something. <laughs> 80 cents. Okay. <laughs> I'm just paying. Fine. <laughs> Sounds reasonable. Ooh, color plates, all 90 cents? I mean, no, I guess that's like a significant bit of money, right? Like, you could eat lunch all week on 90 cents. You could eat, yeah, you could eat, like, you could, that's, a, that's a very good dinner, probably. So he wraps them up in, in brown paper, ties them with string in that wonderful old-fashioned way, hands them to you. He says, uh, will, will that be all, sir? Well, I might as well ask you. You may. I, I found these, and uh, I found it interesting, this idea of the tripartite god, or goddess. This is research for, for my, my next uh, novel, you see. I wonder if you might have anything else you could recommend along similar themes. Huh. A writer. Very good. Uh, are you published? Uh, yes, actually. What is your What is your subject, sir? If, if I can ask. I must confess, uh, it is uh, a somewhat uh, 
popular subject matter. Uh, and I may, I don't, I don't know the name of my novel, but he might have heard about it because it was, it might have been sensationalized because of the, the, uh, you know, the murder case and my involvement yeah. in it and all that, which I definitely played up to my advantage. So like, I had my 15 minutes of fame a couple years back, so he might have heard of me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember now. Herr Schild, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a peculiar incident. A strange time in our city, no? Indeed. Yeah, there was more to that than just uh, serial killing, no? I think. Well, have you read read the book? I encourage you to pick up a copy and uh, find out. I will definitely do that. We, we, we hold um, non-fiction here, you see. Uh, There's there so much to read in the world of reality. I find little time for stories and fantasy. Well, to each his own. <laughs> no offense, of course. None take, uh, you, none take. Everyone has their calling, has their calling. So you're interested in this book? Well, no. I must say, it is interesting you zero in on this, about the Boberite cults, the Yahweh, the wife of Yahweh, and the moon goddess. You, do you know my friend, Albin Grau? He says with piercing eyes as he looks at you. Yes, I do. He's uh, a friend of mine, in fact. I noticed, uh, I picked up this pamphlet uh, because uh, I, I noticed he, he was the illustrator. Yeah, yeah, but he is a very learned man. He, uh, he was somehow involved in some organization, some groups that were very interested in the Boberites. His, his friend, I believe, a certain baron, I cannot recall exactly the name. Maybe it would be in the books if you read through. He, he brought this, uh, this wisdom to Germany himself from, from Egypt. Really? I often speak with him. It's, it's possible that uh, some, some conversation with him, uh, faded by uh, several, several glasses of schnapps, uh, planted the idea in my head. One can never be sure. Perhaps so, perhaps so. I, I believe there was some unpleasantness with a rather notorious Englishman who was involved in this group. Uh, a certain Mr. Alistair Crowley. You have heard of him? Uh, I think so. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty notorious. He said, yeah, there was some falling out. I do not recall the exact thing, but Crowley was the persona non grata after, the, after that. Well... Enjoy reading it. it uh, you've chosen some very interesting books. If you, if you see Albin, say hello. He's not been in here for a couple of months, but uh, busy man. Well, I thank you. I said, tapping the books. Oh, thank you. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> he says. <laughs> he seems to be uh, wishing to perhaps close up for early today. I uh, go. You know, the others are done. I head outside. Okay. So you're standing out in the streets. The streets of Berlin. Again, the heat of the day is really picking up. What do you want to do, guys? You've got a couple of hours until the piano recital. Do you want to just cut straight to that, or do you want to do anything? Is this a thing we need to dress up for? Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, I guess we could cut basically straight to that, but I would want to... I'd go home, get dressed, and... Or go spend some time studying the books, and then get dressed and get ready to go. Okay, all right. Fine, 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 fine. Do you want to do the same, Max, with the book that you bought? Did I buy a book? I think I gave them to Eckhart. Okay, yeah, uh, the books. Uh, I mean, there's quite a few books, so more than one of you would help to speed the process up. Yeah, I'm not the person for that, though. I think there are far smarter people in this group. <laughs> there's me asking if you want to read a book in Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> I want to go... I actually want to go home and exercise. I'm going to go and sit in a dark room by myself. I'd encourage Victorian to maybe look at the pamphlets. Okay, uh, no, but see, the thing is, is that my guy is, I'm always very skeptical of all this uh, magic stuff, but, well, not like my other character. It's like, I, I, I don't disbelieve it. I just, I'm always like, ah, you know, this, this stuff pisses me off. But uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll look it over. Although Eckhart is really the guy for this. So is no one else uh, going to help? What kind of help is it? It's, it's a cult. I don't, I don't, I'm not good at that. Is it an, an occult role? No, no, it's just time. Okay, I mean, well, no, if it's just time, if it's actually, if it's just time, I'll read this stuff. No, no, no. The cafe you, is running smoothly. No, it's, it's, if you spend a few hours reading, you, you will just get the information. I'll just give you the information. 
Um, but there may, may be some other things. I'll take a nice, like, hot bath with some, like, rose petals in it and read a book. Read a book. Okay. So we'll start with the, the book on the Borberites, the Gnostic, Borberite Gnosticism books. So what you read after a few hours, what you discover is indeed that the Borberite cult was brought to Germany by someone called Baron Grunau, who had himself first encountered it in the howling deserts of Western Egypt while conducting archaeological digs around the Siwa Oasis. Borberite is derived from a Greek word meaning mud, and is a reference to the cult's other name, the Filthy Ones. It is a name aptly applied for the Borberites, a libertine, even by the standards of Gnosticism. Their despicable and depraved rites involve the consumption of blood and other bodily fluids, sex magic rituals, and infant sacrifice. The cosmology of the Borberites maintains that there are three deities, the Allfather, Jesus Christ, and Berbelow, the androgynous bride of God, who is the true mother of Christ. And then the other information you glean, which is more contemporary, is that there is a small Borberite cult in Berlin uh, due to their highly selective recruitment process. Um, clearly, they are a very transgressive group from what these writings say. But at the same time, they attract people who are quite respectable in many ways in terms of their position in society, but who have deep yearnings for discovering mysteries through, through the, the kind of, I, I guess, submitting to their primal wills and, and transgressive behavior. You don't find anything about that stuff with Alistair Crowley, because perhaps that happened uh, much more recently than the book was published. But yeah, sounds pretty tasty, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Tasty. <laughs> right. Now, the other books about Astarte, about Ishtar and Lilith. So what you gather from that are all these references to these female gods are, are literally talking about the same goddess, or at least the same principle. The oldest reference is the Mesopotamian goddess Ishtar. But Astarte and also Ashtoreth are the Greek and Hebrew names for the same goddess, which is kind of strange because obviously, well, Judaism particularly is, is monotheistic. They don't have goddesses, but obviously these are much more ancient and esoteric cults probably within, within the Judaic tradition. Ishtar herself, the Babylonian Sumerian goddess of fertility, love, and beauty, she was associated with the moon and had an active clergy of sacred temple prostitutes. Later, when Ishtar became Astarte, she was linked with two other goddesses in a tripartite incarnation. God, there's so many of them. These two goddesses were called Anat and Kudshu. <laughs> I really should just send you all this. Um, Anat and Kudshu, um, the former a virginal war goddess and the latter a goddess of sexual pleasure and ecstasy. Some Latter-day scholars link Ishtar-Astarte with the Talmudic mythological figure Lilith, <laughs> the mother of abominations, or more commonly known as the Whore of Babylon. Later legends tie in Lilith with the vampire myth, making her a true creature of the night. And then the only other thing that's interesting is, is references to Ishtar Gate, that some of you may have heard of if you, if you have any kind of cult knowledge. So these were, these were a real archaeological find unearthed from the ruins of Babylon called the Gates of Ishtar. They were originally made from seven cedar wood gates, and they were called the Seven Gates of Heaven. And according to the book, they, they actually are in Berlin. Mm -hmm. at, at the, the Pergamon. At the Pergamon Museum. Yeah. So there you go. Although, of course, the, the wooden gates long rotted away, and it's, it's merely a reproduction of, the, of, of one of the gates is, is what's there in the museum. Now, those of you that were studying... Perhaps not Anne-Marie, because you were in the bath with one of the books, but the others, you realize that if you spend significant time, not just reading, but studying these pamphlets and actually memorizing them, it will actually enhance your occult skill somewhat. But it would take days. So if at any point you want to do that, you could spend a few days just embedding these ideas and thoughts in your head and it will improve your occult, your occult skill. 
at some point. But but it, it would take too long to do it now. Unless you want to take three days. Nah, out. <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think that's the move right now. No. All right. So let's cut to later that day. Should we go to the Clerkin's Cler- Ballhaus? Yeah. Yeah. Is a piano recital culturally like a big deal? Yes. Okay. I guess so. Yeah. So you're you're all dressed up. I used to do piano recitals for. It's more like uh, entertainment. Germans are into are into musical performances very very much so. It's like going to see music. Is is it a big deal? Yeah. In Berlin. That's how good the music is, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, it probably depends on how fancy is this place we're going. Is maybe a better question to ask. Yeah. It's not fancy, but it's it's a it's a well-known place for classical music recitals. Safina, do you have anything to wear? <laughs> I have a nice four-year-old coat. I'll keep it close. It didn't get ruined the other night? Yeah, it's not covered in... <laughs> no, I was naked for the orgy. Of course. Ah. So... Remember, I took off everything beforehand and rolled around with charcoal doing, like, paint or do art on the floor. So the coat is somewhere right. checked. Right, no, yeah, it's your one good coat. You take care of that. Yeah, my good coat. Even during the orgy. Okay, so Klerkens Ballhaus, this is the one that's in the Jewish quarter, located a few blocks north of the Alex, Alexanderplatz, in the heart of the Jewish Scheuenviertel, Jewish quarter, I guess, Jewish neighborhood. Clara's ballroom, Klerkens Ballhaus, inhabits a unassuming greystone building set back from Auguststrasse. The patio outside is crowded with cafe tables. Over the entrance hangs a hand-painted sign, which is done by, as you know, Safina, by one of your art heroes, the, the wonderful Otto Dix one of the great painters of the, of the age. It depicts a dancing couple announcing the venue's name. And despite the lateness of the hour, it's 8 p.m., which is quite late for a piano piano recital, the heat of the day still hangs heavy in the gathering twilight. So going in through the separate doorway, not, not to the white bar, there's a separate doorway to the right. Maybe you, you check in your... I guess you're probably not wearing coats, are you? You wouldn't be wearing coats on a really hot summer's day. I, I must I? <laughs> yeah. So you climb a creaking angular stairway that leads to the famous, I guess for those of you with a musical artistic bent, the, what's famous about Klerkens is the famous mirror room, the Spiegelsaal, where there's a fine grand piano sitting roughly in the center of a parquet dance floor. And it, the whole, you know, and both walls have these huge mirrors on them, giving, you know, a sense of greater space, but also allowing you to see all the different angles of the pianist and all the other members of the audience. So it's quite, quite interesting space. Two rows of mismatched chairs are arranged in a semicircle around the instrument, where about a dozen folks sit or mingle, all are fanning themselves, for the heat in the ballroom is even more oppressive than outside. And then 8pm comes. Some of the guests are growing restless in the stuffy hot room. A couple get up and leave, then a few more. It's, it's a very sparsely attended, it seems. In fact, when you look around, you realize that you're more or less the only people left. I mean, there's only about 20 seats anyway, but it seems like the heat of the day has um, made people not willing to wait around, especially because there's a bit of a delay. And then eight, at about 8.25 p.m., shortly after the last of the, of, the rest of, the, of the other people in the audience leaves, suddenly the door opens and Shatan Hoffman and Berber arrives. They look at you and grin broadly. And Shatan Hoffman says, Oh, I'm so glad you came. He's sweating profusely, <laughs> wearing evening, evening clothes. Berber is dressed in, still dressed in her black morphine dress, accessorized with a monocle and a scowl. Hoffman attempts to guide Berber to a chair, but she just bats him away, like imperiously. Leave me alone, Henry. I, I don't need your help to sit down. And without missing a beat or betraying any embarrassment, he proceeds to the piano. Damen und Herren, he says in his faltering German, Danke schön für, für, for coming out this Abend. This Abend. Clears his throat, sits down. The room has now gone silent. It is utterly silent in the room. It's, um, we're the only people in the room, right? None of us are talking, so... <laughs> You're the, yeah, you were the... <laughs> yeah, it's gone, it's gone utterly silent. In the heat and the kind of awkwardness of the situation, I guess you're, you're, you're shifting in your chairs uncomfortably. 
and it is very hot in there. It, it, you are all starting to sweat a bit, and you can see your, your sweaty faces reflected in the massive mirrors. And then he begins to play. starts playing the list and of course as you know the chosen piece is Totentanz the dance of the dead a pounding dynamic piece whose melody paraphrases the medieval Gregorian chant day of judgment the music explodes in the piano and fills the small ballroom he definitely is talented this guy the music swells and seems to explode out of the piano filling filling this small stuffy room and perhaps transporting you suddenly aware that you're catching glimpses of your faces in the mirror and you notice somehow that everyone's everyone's looking a little bit different as if the mirrors are maybe the heat in the room is distorting the mirror or something but you see Berber who's sitting maybe a few seats down from you and her face looks much harsher and more haggard far older than her 27 years her theatrical makeup looks like an artificial mask her lips pinched and severe even more jarringly, weirdly. Her black morphine dress is now a deep crimson in the mirror, like the color of viscera, of blood, of organs. And you all look different too. How are you looking different? Would you like to maybe speculate or tell me how different you are looking? Katorian, what do you see in the mirror? Maybe, maybe you're seeing the truth of yourself. Maybe I'm seeing truth of myself, like under my veneer of civility, I have devil horns coming out of my head, <laughs> that sort of thing. Absolutely. What, what ugly truth or repressed secrets are reflected in the unflinching objectivity of the mirror that you stare into? Well, I like to think of myself as a, actually, as a uh, principled man, but I think... I guess I'm seeing my avaricious, self-interested, diabolical nature in, in revealed in the mirror. That I I don't think too much on it, but I usually think of myself as a as a decent guy who just does what has to be done. But, mm, wonderful, but, uh, love it, love it. Okay, lovely. Eckhart, Henry, what do you see in the mirror? Uh, like my, I already barely fit into one of these little recital chairs, and. Uh, in the mirror, it seems like I am like overstretching the the chair by like like I'm two or three times as wide as it looks like 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 I'm sitting in a child's chair or something and like giving me this like hulking bestial. Mmm, wonderful, wonderful. Safina, what do you, what ugly truth do you see in the mirror? I think I'm I'm looking like quite ragged and feral and like almost feline and a lot scraglier and darker in complexion than I normally am. And, uh, I don't know, my, my clothes are gone. Yeah. <laughs> like a bedraggled... Like a stray cat. A alley cat. A bedraggled That's exactly. stray cat. <laughs> stray cat. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, is your fur wet? <laughs> Just slightly damp and oily. <laughs> I mean, are you actually sprouting cat hairs and whiskers? No, not actually. Okay. It's just like long, shaggy hair. Maybe my nails are long and jagged also. Yes, you are absolutely Helena Bonacarte. In fact, that's who I'm going to think of you from now on. Okay, Max. Max Max sees himself sort of uglier and older than he, he probably sees himself normally. He looks like he's he's a thug, disheveled and not at all a, mo a movie star or an actor, just someone built for physical labor and mindless violence <laughs> fantastic are you have your clothing changed are you well, no he's still wearing his, his one suit that he has but i think he sees it now ill-fitting and ragged and just disheveled wonderful and Anne marie what do you see in the mirror right so Anne marie is um aghast at what she sees she sees herself actually what feels like a lifetime ago but maybe like five years ago when she was a, a young teen and she was incredibly awkward and 
you know, as many beautiful women are when they're younger, you know, oddly shaped uh, growth spurts and kind of buck teeth and uh, just completely, you know, made fun of for being uh, absolutely, you know, ugly, essentially. And it's, of course, that's something that she would never, ever want to, to go back to, to have that feeling. And when she, when she sees that, she's, uh, she's pretty much freaking out. This isn't what she wants to feel right now. We don't right. see other people, though, right? They all look normal to us. Like, we're just ourselves. You, you see Berber and Shatan Hoffman are also somehow distorted. Berber is looking much older and more ragged and used up. Do we see, like, our companions like that, though? Like, do I see Max? Yes, yes. You, you see all your companions look... I mean, when you turn to look at them, they look normal, but in the mirror... Oh, okay, 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 okay. okay. They, they, they look just strange and distorted. I would imagine that they can see me like that. So I'm actually going to fall to the ground and cover myself. Okay. If you want, you can make a sanity roll, because obviously this is the, a terrible thing for you. I don't want to, but I will. <laughs> you're, you're fine. You're, you're, you're resilient, even even though you have this... Well, I guess, naturally, you, you're very concerned about your look, your appearance. Yeah, yeah. So she's basically on the ground, like just like, you know, trying to... Nobody can look at her face or whatever, and she's like curled up in the fetal position. And then suddenly, the music ends. It just stops. And as the final notes die away, you suddenly realize in the blink of an eye that you're actually now looking like the forms. As you turn to look at your friends, you see they, they have somehow morphed into these strange, distorted versions of themselves. And furthermore, Shatan Hoffman and Berber are nowhere to be seen. You're the only people left in this room, and even stranger, the temperature in the room has fallen dramatically. It now feels actually cold, you, you're shivering. And also you see this weak, milky gray light coming in through the high window. It's crazy. It was a hot summer's night when you entered and now it seems like a cold, frigid winter's day. How much time has passed? What has happened? How did you get older? How did you become these distorted versions of yourselves? And we will end with a sanity roll for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> that had to be coming. Malign. Should I make another one? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Again, I'm pretty sane so far. Well, nope. I can't. Yes. Well, everyone that passed, you still lose one sanity anyway. You lose one. Those that failed are roll a d4, and that's how much sanity you lose. As it's. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> so. Yes! What has happened? I guess we will find out when we return. Oh, cool. oh boy. <laughs>